You're listening to a DM podcast. Yeah, it's something the RFDS is really good at doing. Is really, is really building the kind of important narratives of the people uh, who they provide for, and and you know the people that work for them um, in in terms of kind of helping everyday Australians kind of understand what it is that that um that people go through. Still breathing okay at the moment. Is it a big property? That blood pressure is not coming up. Bottom 493, understood, thank you. Hi, my name is Lana Mitchell from the Royal Flying Doctor Service. This is a podcast about life in the bush, mateship, courage, and the role that the Royal Flying Doctor Service plays in serving rural and remote communities. This is the Flying Doctor Podcast. My name is Kira Lee Dargan from the Royal Flying Doctor Service and I'm an Aboriginal woman of the Radri Nation. This podcast has been recorded on Ngunnawal land and is being broadcast across all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We at the Royal Flying Doctor Service want to acknowledge Elders past and present. The RFDS recognises that this is First Peoples land and always will be. If you're a fan of the Royal Flying Doctor Service, you will know that in recent times we've had a new free-to-air TV drama on Channel 7 entitled RFDS. The TV show is close to my heart as it's been years in the making. And with the backing, creative talents and passion of Endemol Shine Australia, we're so proud of the show. Unlike the many reality fly-on-the-wall shows that exist on screens today, we wanted to explore good old Aussie drama again. And you may know we had a TV show called Flying Doctors that ran for some 15 years in the 80s and the 90s. And that show is still running today and available on DVD. We were approached by Animal Shine about seven years ago as they were keen to produce a new TV drama that is contemporary to our services and activities and talks to the challenges that exist when living, working and travelling in rural and remote Australia. Now, you may ask, why would a national health charity be interested in a television drama? Well, as a charity, we rely heavily on donations, fundraising and philanthropy. We have about one third of our operational budget covered by federal government, about one third from state governments, and the remaining shortfall relies on the charitable dollar of our supporters. So a TV drama goes a long way to build understanding on what the service is and does and why our work is important. And the series produced by Animal Shine is brilliant in this regard. We could not be happier. You can watch all episodes of RFDS on demand on 7 Plus at any time. So if you've not already watched the first 16 episodes, please dive in. I promise you'll love it. Series 1 was nominated for three Logie Awards and we expect Series 2 to do very well also. Now, Ian Meadows is the writer co-creator and co-producer of the RFDS TV drama and he's here to chat with me. Hi Ian. Hi, thanks for having me. Look, full disclaimer, I'm a bit of a fangirl uh, when it comes to your work. I will include all of your credits as an actor and as a writer on the show notes of this podcast because it will take me about 10 minutes to read them all. (laughs) (laughs) But first question, how did a Western Australian country boy end up in film and TV? What's the backstory that led to your incredible career? Uh, Yeah, it's a good question. I was always always a bit of a clown at home 
and was just I was just always I don't know trying to get attention I think just an attention seeker um so always trying to crack my family up as soon as I could I tried to you know steal dad's video camera and just make sketches and things and got obsessed with things like Monty Python and 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 those kinds of shows um and and so I I was just I don't know I just kind of wanted to be performing from a young age um but yeah in a small town there weren't that many opportunities luckily my my mum and dad were always really supportive of (laughs) you my my, uh very frivolous kind of interests and and pursuits and and so um and through through school they were always really supportive you know I think mum got me my first camera to kind of go and make little docos and short films and stuff with my mates when I was in high school and I had a really great drama teacher you know as I think it, it often happens for kids in the bush um, anywhere probably but but if you have that one great teacher who kind of gets behind you and supports you then um, then then it goes a long way and I did I had great and great English teacher and, and a great drama teacher who kind of really supported uh, my interests, and then um, there's a, there's a kind of uh, a, a, a time capsule that we had to put something into when we started primary school that I, I never remembered when I when I went finished high school, but it said you know I want to go to you know this acting school, I want to go to NIDA and Whopper, and I want to do this, and I had had no memory of it sort of ha- happening that early, but um, but yeah, it's wow. it was it was just there. I don't know. So was it Ian? Was it? Um- was it really a drive to be in front of the cameras or to be behind the cameras or to, because you've, you've done all of it. Is it, is it the entire genre that interests you? That was a really, a really good question. I think because the first thing you see is on screen or, or on stage is the actor. I think that's why I sort of went towards that. And I did love performing and making people laugh, but definitely the older I've gotten, the more, you know, peeling back the layers to to sort of where, you know, where stories begin. I think just storytelling in general was always, you know, just something I loved, um, whether it was movies or plays or, or books. I loved the ability to kind of make sense of the world through that. Like, I, and I remember reading, like, I love books. Most of them seemed like they were from somewhere, you know, somewhere else that, that kind of poetic, you know, interesting ha- things happened elsewhere. And I remember reading kind of my first um, Tim Winton book when I was a, a teenager and going, oh, no, this can, you know, everyone's life is interesting everyone has kind of stories that are and and the more specific the stories are the more kind of universal they they resonate I think I couldn't agree more you know as I've been doing this podcast Ian over the last several years I've got to meet and learn and and discover these amazing everyday people all around the country and every single person has just turned out to be fascinating. And in a modern society today, obviously the film and TV industry capitalise on storytelling, but obviously centuries ago storytelling has been the way that we have taught, the way that we have um, passed on information. It's it's been so pivotal to us and um, both the work that I do and the work that you do and the work that the industry does within film and TV, it's that keeping stories alive and keeping I guess the the focus on the individual person and each each person's step by step journey. I don't know. It's yeah. it's it's fascinating to me. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I, I think everywhere, you know, it's kind of not a siloed off thing that just that, that exists in entertainment. You know, storytelling is central to kind of creating an investment. I think um, to any business or um, pursuit or company or person. You know, it's it's finding out 
it's you know it's, it's that connection isn't it when you find out sort of the narrative of someone um in sports as well you know it's it's finding yeah. out the narratives behind things that really kind of build you know why you know why we get behind the matildas so much or whatever you know it's it's the, it's it's that narrative that that kind of really um draws us in and builds our investment yeah it's something the rfds is really good at doing is really is really building the kind of important narratives of the people uh who they provide for and and you know the people that work for them um in in terms of kind of helping everyday australians kind of understand what it is that that um that people go through Mm. Obviously, the RFTS TV drama is set in Broken Hill and it's all red dirt and uh, somewhat barren but absolutely spectacular landscapes. Mm. Have you had much familiarity? Have you done a lot of travel um, in the interior of Australia at all, Ian? Yeah. I mean, first of all, Broken Hill just really reminds me of where I grew up, sort of not geographically. Like I grew up in a little town called Collie, which, which is a, a mining town like Broken Hill. It's about the same population um, it's it's not in the desert. Um, it's you know in in the bush, but um, but there was just so much that reminded me of Broken Hill, the people, and yeah, not quite the same level of isolation, but but certainly a long way from from a city. And so there, there was that, but but yeah, I think a lot of a lot of road trips through you know uh, up up north in in WA, um, a lot of those kind of places really remind me of, of Broken Hill, the kind of. Mikathar and Marble Bar and those kind of places, um, and and then more recently when I moved over to you know to to the east, um, sort of fifteen twenty years ago, yeah, road trips sort of through you know through through central um, Australia, yeah, up through Bartway, Alice Springs, and and um, and around there, you know, a, a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of that space and a lot of the people kind of uh, remind me of, of of that sort of area and, and the people that that sort of serves. As I mentioned earlier, this podcast has been made possible with the support of Isuzu Ute Australia. Having reliable vehicles is imperative in the harsh Australian outback, and Isuzu have provided D-Max Utes and MUX SUVs to pull seven large RFDS flight simulators as they engage in school, community and field day activities for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. These simulators are full-size planes, minus the wings, and the Isuzu D-MAX and MUX vehicles are a perfect match for the long-distance heavy towing demands of these RFDS simulators right across Australia. So keep an eye out for them as they travel around each state, and we would love to see photos and locations on our Flying Doctor podcast community Facebook page when you see them. When did you first learn of the idea of a new TV drama um, about the Royal Flying Doctor Service, Ian? Yeah, so Imogen Banks, um, the producer and co-creator of of the show, um, she kind of approached me. We worked together years ago on um, I wrote an episode of, of um, Offspring. Um, so we yeah worked years ago together, and she approached me. I, I guess because of like because I sort of grew up in a small country town, and also my my dad. Um, was a GP in that small country town, so there was a sort of added connection there. Um, and she was, she, her and Mark Fennessy uh, were looking to kind of yeah create this new show about the RFTS, and it was just sort of a blank canvas. Like what would what would you know be an exciting way to enter that world, and who would those who would the characters be that you might follow? And and we spent a long time. Like it was my, my son's now five, and I remember still writing the first you know a first draft of the first episode and what it could be. You know when 
in in uh, the maternity ward, you know, just before he was he was sort of born. <laughs> so it's been it's been six or seven years since since uh, maybe longer since we started talking about what that could be. And then it just took a a long time to kind of settle on on the sorts of characters and stories we wanted to to focus on. I must say, I'm really glad that you ended up where it is because it did take some very interesting turns. A couple of the proposals <laughs> came to me early on. I was like, no. <laughs> so it, it's it's um, it's a trial it's a trial and error process. I'm not sure what yeah, it, yeah I'm not sure what <laughs> what you read, but um yeah, it's 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 trying it's just trying to get to the heart of something, I think, and and you know, ugh. Just the the longer I work on this, the more I I realize how little I how little I know, like how much there is to know. You know, it's it's such a it's such a wide ranging scope of people and geography, and you know, between the kind of specific skills of uh, and areas of aviation and then medicine and the various particular kind of Venn diagram that this exists in. And yep. and then you know the sort of communities that you serve and and the area just the the sort of scope of the area that you serve as well. It's um there's a lot of there's a lot of options there. So um, it's t- it took a while for us to to kind of land in in the place we were happy with. Well, I, I do remember one of the first proposals, um, which didn't go anywhere, was sort of like um a uh, apocalypse kind of oh, <laughs> scenario. <was> <laughs> And it was it was so out there. It was sort of like a James Bond combined with um, a July Four, you know, Independence Day kind of. It was just I said no, 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 no. Gosh, I wasn't I wasn't on that one, but actually, it sounds kind of interesting. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe that's our our sort of Walking Dead spin off. We could go there. Well, I think I mean what was what's been really important to us from the Royal Flying Doctor Service end has been that the show has to be authentic and genuine. Like that's been really the critical thing it's not a fly on the wall tv reality show so it's not just a camera following somebody around and and so forth it is scripted and it is drama and it is supposed to be entertaining but we want it to stay genuine and authentic so and you've done an amazing job at that so would you be able to talk briefly about the process of and the research that goes into making sure that that does that the um, show does stay genuine and authentic yeah, uh, thanks for that. That was, you know, it's one of our our um, biggest anxieties is that it feels uh, relatable to, you know, the actual people we're, we're writing about. Yeah, look, what, as you say, like it is, it is sort of, um, it's storytelling rather than sort of, um, than, than a pure sort of uh, fly on the wall. But we kind of really, we just wanted this to reflect what actually happened. I mean, as again, as a, as a sort of filmmaker, you sort of, what's the point in making it if it doesn't kind of illuminate what the reality is and although you know we it's it's you know things are extrapolated from and stories are taken from from all over australia and you know placed in this one kind of group of people and obviously it's a much smaller group of people that we deal with just because of the realities of um of of shooting a tv show then then would you know then would happen at a base the idea was always that we kind of we really want to reflect the different types of flying doctor stories that are happening with with these teams across Australia. You know, from sort of the mental health teams to flight nurses and dental clinicians and base managers and and, and doctors. Uh, we yeah. just wanted to get the broadest sort of scope of stories we could, and so 
you know, I don't know how many hours of, of interviews I've sort of done with different uh, engineers, base managers, doctors, nurses, um, yourself, you know, and, and you know, a big, a big shout out and thank you to this podcast as well because as you know and as I'm sure people have picked up on, there are lots of sort of details that, that you know, have come from the sort of, you know, from the people that have sort of generously opened up on on the show and have really allowed, you know, uh, sort of to, to shine a light on different, uh, particularly from patients' points of view, you know, um, different sort of uh, perspectives on on what, what the Flying Doctor does. Well, here's some homework for our listeners. Watch the RFDS TV drama and see if you can spot the podcast-influenced storylines mm. <laughs> because there's a lot of them and I, it thrills me when I watch the show and then I go, oh, I know what podcast that came from. Oh, I know what podcast that came from. Yep. And so I'm glad I'm glad that those real patient stories have um, influenced the script and have been able to be woven in because they're true. They're, um, they're based on real events. They're not just you're not sitting in a room with a bunch of writers and going, oh, let's come up with some wacky thing that you know could go wrong it's actually all of it's happened at some point that's right and it's amazing how you'll you know some of the stories you you will sort of suggest something and then we'll go away to research it and we'll go oh look in the pot there's this episode here that person has that you know kidney issue that mixed with that you know um that that other sort of potential event in in their life and and so it's so there's really interesting how it kind of feeds in and, and merges and and we try to sort of yeah, nothing is based exactly on any one one person, but um, but as I said, we want to make it a, as authentic as it, at least as emotionally authentic as possible, and 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 as sort of and for the critical decisions that happen medically and that happen for you know engineers and pilots, that even if we kind of simplify something a little bit, that we that we kind of reflect something that's a true sort of dilemma, um, that that is faced. Mm. yeah and and so yeah you, you're quite right there's lots of little sort of pieces that have been so so useful from from earlier episodes so um yeah i'll be interested to see what people can pick up now ian your dad was a gp as you mentioned in a small regional township has he or the stories related to your childhood have those influenced you at all in scripting yeah there's a few of there's a few of sort of moments from from dad's experiences in there it was great actually it was such a good he's a very um he's, he's a farm boy himself and quite a quiet man i think he wanted to be a vet when he was a when he was younger um because you didn't have to talk to as many people um but you could you could you could help as much but his, his parents were very keen for him to become a doctor so um he became a really good one actually a really good one one of the most moving stories uh in there that that i was always really touched by was in episode two of the of the start of the season leone kind of tells a story about Rhiannon, who's passed away and and she tells this story about um, how she had held on to these things from a, a divorce that had, you know, that, that Leonie had had that uh, and, and ended up Leonie chucking out all this stuff that, you know, Rhiannon thought she might want to keep in the future. Um, and so 20 years later when Leonie's kind of expressing this, you know, regret that she chucked all that out, Rhiannon goes and gets this box of stuff and says, I thought you might want it one day. Yeah. And that, yeah. That, was a, that was a story from my dad. He'd gone and it wasn't a medical story necessarily, but, um, but I think speaks to kind of the sort of, I don't know, the spirit of it. Um, with a with a friend of his who who kind of one day at a barbecue said, "Oh yeah, I, re- I regret chucking all that stuff out now." And then Dad just potted off to the shed and came back with the box and did, he said wow. exactly that. He said, oh, "I thought you might want it one day." He kept it for like, he, he'd moved house as well. Like he, they'd moved from Collie to Perth, and he kept this box of stuff just in case Dave, who who just uh, passed away, had ever wanted it again. And I, I don't know, it's it's moments like that that are always incredibly 
um, moving and can come from anywhere. But uh, but um, yeah, I think sp- speaks to kind of just the general spirit of of frontline health, <laughs> you know, workers. Yeah, yeah. So, what is the process then for writing a script for a show like RFDS? Could you walk us through it? Yeah. So we'll um, I'll I'll do a bunch of um, just sort of background research like a heap of interviews uh with you know like i said before um a range of people from the service who very generously kind of uh share their stories and give their time and we've we've um we've had a a a medical advisor on each series too who's who's been been brilliant and and i'll kind of collate all that stuff and and sort of put a rough shape together of what stories might fit and then a rough kind of idea of of what our characters might go through in that series and then get together with a really sort of talented team of, of writers who have been great um, over the journey and then we'll sort of do uh, a week or two either, either focusing on one or two episodes and we'll kind of just sit there with that sort of general idea and and we'll kind of bounce it around and, and figure out what's working and what's not um, and and we'll really try to get, you know, find out what that, what that sort of main medical story is going to be for that episode. And, and figure out what the kind of, you know, that pressing kind of dilemma is that the team face, whether it's a logistical one or a medical one. If it's a or medical, a romantic one. Or there's always a romantic <laughs> one. There's always a romantic one. Do you know, after the first episode, um, somebody wrote in on social media, the on, pretty much the only complaint we've had about the TV show, and the complaint was, um, you know, oh, for God's sakes, not another love story. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, oh, well, look, sorry, you got to have a little bit of romance yeah. in there. It is a TV drama. Yeah, we have yeah. to take some license, you know. I yeah. mean, you know, they, they, they deserve their fun as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get the, the script. Did you end up reading the script like a zillion times to a point where you lose? Like I find when I, uh, as part of my job, I have to produce publications of various kinds and so forth. And by the time I've worked on something written it, proofread it, you know, proofread, you know, edited it, proofread, et cetera, et cetera. I get to a point where I actually lose objectivity with it. Like I can't, I've been on and over this document so many times that I, I no longer feel I can get outside of it. Does that happen with you as a writer or how do you make sure that doesn't happen? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm there now, you know, we've started on sort of season three and it's, and it's just, it's just really trying to you're trying to sort of get really detailed but also step back and look at the big picture all at the same time and and you've got a lot of people to weave and a lot of characters that you love that you want to sort of serve and you want it to feel real to the RFDS and you want to feel it to feel entertaining and kind of funny and moving to an audience as well so yeah it's a it's a lot of balance trying to tap it into the to the right space you know and and the team are all kind of really uh, working really hard to kind of um, get it in that place, but yeah, it's if you looked at the amount of different drafts I've got on my computer, I don't, uh, I, I, no, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, there's a, there's a lot of them. You must be pretty good, Ian, with taking criticism then, because if you draft something and then you go to your group of writers, there must be people go, oh, that doesn't work, or we need to change this, or whatever. So you must be fairly easy guy to work with I would say do you know what I mean like if you were sort of like this it's my way or the highway I don't think you'd be able to do this job uh, easy to work with or just like beaten down by you know by, <laughs> by um, no you're right you do a, a thick skin is definitely a prerequisite whether it's and I think act, like you know sort of coming up through sort of acting help that as well you know there's a lot of uh, feedback that you get or, or rejection that you get from from jobs that you kind of never hear about um but yeah right. you, you do I, I think as long as 
my sort of general thought is if it's for the sort of betterment of the show, then as much as it kind of stings when things don't work or you get, you know, feedback that something's not working and you're trying to rack your brains as to how to fix it, um, if everyone's kind of heart's in the right place to make it as sort of compelling as possible, you just have to try and take your, yeah, take take the kind of emotion out of it a little bit, I think, and, and try and... Yeah take it at face value and see what's useful and, and what's not. And sometimes, like, it's it's a kind of cliche, you're sort of always looking for what's behind the note and, and often people will say, oh, I hate this character or I hate that line or, you know, they wouldn't do this or or whatever. It's always good to just kind of look at what they're kind of, the, the note is about and then try and figure out what what real, what the, the problem really is with it and, and often there you kind of get to, you can reach some kind of common ground. But, but yes, yeah. a, a thick skin for anyone wanting to kind of get into this this world a thick skin is uh, certainly helpful well when you when you have a, a script and it's been worked over a zillion times and you finally have the draft and it's been agreed this is episode three or whatever it might be and then you go through um for those who are not aware there's like pre-production where you're getting all of the the sets and the props and everything ready and finalized and then you have the actual filming now my next question is, do you end up sometimes having to then rewrite that script or fix or adjust or edit or change what you've already decided on after umpteen drafts because of some external factor like, oh, my gosh, it's raining there or or this actor's now broken a leg and is not going to be available or like do yeah. you end up still having to continue to edit and change? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you, you do. You try and have it as locked in as, as possible. So, you know, I would love to have every the stories at least kind of locked in by the time we get to, to pre-production in, in script, in, you know, as scripts as far along as we can. But, yeah, as you say, it's, you know, not only are you kind of getting notes back about the content, but then also there are just production realities. As you mentioned, you know, rain will hit or a cast member genuinely in the last season got an injury that was very visible that we then on the day I had to kind of rewrite that storyline to try and include this injury. Was that the one with the eye patch? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay, come on, you've got to tell us that story. Come on, uh, tell well, us that story. Well, well, I mean, yeah, uh, um, Emma, who, Emma Hamilton, who plays Eliza, was a, was a trooper, but, yeah, got, got a, an eye condition and had to wear a, a patch. And so we sort of, we, we just we just don't have the time or the space or the money to be able to move stuff around or do reshoots on anything. Um, and often, as you know, we, we, the RFDS is so great in working with us to kind of provide um, planes and landings that, that we can actually kind of film. Um, yeah, so, so when we've got a, a, a strip and a plane that, that can shoot and a property, like it's really hard to rearrange those those days and then you've got actor availability and all this, all the stuff that kind of produces sort of a, a navigating. Um, but, yeah, so we had this one day to, to shoot and, and Emma kind of soldiered on with this eye patch and we got the – you have to see it as a challenge, I think. <laughs> you just have to enjoy the <laughs> – Okay, this is this is what we what we have that day. Um, how can we make this work? And it's, you know, it's it's kind of odd in the episode, but it, but it, it actually created a really lovely moment later in the episode um, between Pete and Eliza that would never have existed otherwise. So you have to kind of, it's like anything, you have to sort of look at your limitations and your and the curveballs as a, as an opportunity for something else, as much as it you know makes your hair go grey at the time. Right, but it does. It has actually. It you did a brilliant, seamless job of managing to weave a patch into it very oh, that's quickly. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what do you love about your job, Ian? I love the collaboration. Like I love working 
uh, well, collaborating with the RTS and speaking to, you know, listen to your podcast and speaking to all of those, all of those people. That's a real privilege, you know, and, and, and reflecting those stories back, getting the opportunity to and, and trying to do that as authentically as we can is, is such a, a privilege. Um, and then production, I, I just love watching, I love sort of nothing existing and then this kind of crazy pursuit of trying to sort of um, recreate some version of real life happens in a place where, you know, the the, the the previous day there was sort of nothing there and then there's suddenly there's a film crew and it's gone again and you've, and you've attempted to capture this sort of um, moment of emotion, you know, or a story that, that hopefully will connect with, with someone. And, and again, actually like the problem solving of it, I, I do really enjoy it. And I think you have to, you sort of want everything to be in place from the beginning, but, um, but yeah. that the problem solving is, uh, is, um, when you collaborate with people to solve those problems, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, being in a pre-production meeting where like we have such a different, our problems are the, the absolute opposite of what the RFTS problems in in terms of like, and it's all, always talking about this with medical advisors as well. Like our job is to reflect a kind of uh, broad brushstrokes truth, like be as specific as we can. But what we're trying yeah. to convey is an emotional sort of uh, truth. Um, the details are important when they're important, and then they just don't matter. Uh, whereas for you know for doctors and nurses, if you give you know. <laughs> one milligram of the wrong thing or you put something oh, where it's, yeah. it's, you know, if you don't have a second IV line in or whatever, that's life and death. And so they're sort of very, they're, they're, they're both specific in certain ways, but very, very um, different. And so I, I do enjoy being there for like pre-production when, you know, you've got, you've written this kind of crazy scenario, like a branch through an arm or something. And, and you've got these amazing prosthetics teams and, ADs and and makeup and hair and all these people trying to kind of do ridiculous things to sort of recreate what that might look right. like, or you know right. how, how you might pretend to shoot someone falling off a bull at the real White Cliffs rodeo. Um, yeah, yeah. Know. While everybody's around watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. So those kind of ridiculous challenges, um, I, I don't know. I find them quite fun. Well, the other interesting thing is that um, when we started this this work with Endemol Shine, it was really clear from the very onset we were told, look, um, we at the RFDS have a say on making sure it's got the correct aviation terminology and activity and so forth and the correct um, uh, medical and clinical uh, terminology and activity and actions and processes and so forth. But as far as the storyline goes, we have no say. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And which is fine by us, but it's interesting because um, our internal staff obviously all watch the show and the one comment that comes back over and over again is how accurate uh, the show is in terms of process, aviation and um, clinical process terminology and so forth. It's very accurate. So if something happens or it has obviously happened at some point or if it happens in the future, our RFDS would respond in the same way, both from an aviation perspective and from um, a clinical perspective. And so you get it right. And often when you watch other shows, I've had clinical people tell me, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, what, where do they do this? They just make this stuff up, you know, about what, you know, IV they get and how they, you know, none, none of that for the RFDS show. It, it is absolutely bona fide accurate and I, I really appreciate the patience that you and the writer teams must have had in putting up with us and and making sure that that is the case 
No, it's, well, that's really great to hear. You know, it is actually my, I, I like, I do really want to make a, a show that's very entertaining, but I think as the son of a doctor who I just remember him watching ER and just scoffing every sort of couple of minutes. Um, so it's drilled, it's just drilled into my, into my, uh, brain, um, you know, to, to, to aim for that uh, accuracy. But, you know, again, you don't want that to come at the price of an audience switching off or not understanding it. So it's, it's always a fine yeah. balance. Um, but I'm so, I'm so glad that that's sort of a general response. We do spend a heap of time. And like I said, we've got great advisors um, who have been really patient with us too and our sort of um, <laughs> um, very, uh, you know, non, non-medical brains. Well, some, some of the questions, I remember seeing one question, which was, so if a person has a bullet wound to the leg, at which, like, at what point would the bullet come through? Like, I mean, the questions are so detailed, like, you know, so how far would the bullet travel? Yeah. And what would be the process to be able to manage that bullet wound? You go, oh, my God, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. It's it. Yeah. We 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 really want it to be as as authentic as possible, and because that's where the that's where the real kind of interesting stories lie as well, and and yeah. the dilemmas for you know the people in the RFDS they just come from you know the best ones come from things that have uh, that actually happened, not anything we can sort of make up. You know, we we're good at kind of getting those things and then saying, oh yeah, okay, but what if that happened on top of that? You know, what if what if if, if right. all that happened, that was on the plane, and then they found out about that? You know, I think that's what our sort of job is is to work. the layers, yeah, and to <laughs> that's right, and to ramp up tension yep. and and kind of I think our remit is if if it's you know there are th- certain things people might see in the show that that are kind of. That, that are very rare to happen, but our, our kind of our ethos, I think, is yeah. But okay, but if they did happen, they're possible. And if they did happen, yeah. how do we do them in a way in which the RFS would actually kind of respond? And and we hope to you know get that right more often than we than we sort of don't. Yeah, the level of knowledge that that exists within any skill level in the RFDS is is so extreme, and, and the experience that goes with it so immense that you know we we're, uh, we're sort of scratching the surface, and we're always trying to dig dig deeper and deeper into those realities. Has anything, I asked you what you love most about what you do, but has anything really surprised you or caught you off guard, Ian, in doing the writing and the co-producing of this show? I mean, everything. I think that's what, that's rolling rolling with the, you know, the unexpected is, there's literally, it's just, I, I think that's another kind of correlation with the RFDS is like, there will just be a new challenge every day that you could just never have seen coming you know whether it's pr- producing wise or writing wise like the like the eye patch you know things like that or um suddenly the town in the middle you know when we we're first shooting you know it had been drought for five years ten years and we were writing about that and, the, and dealing with the realities of drought and then we and then it rains and and argyle street was literally underwater like it was yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. the town was flooded so it, everything is is a surprise uh when when you're shooting it's a constant kind of um yeah, rolling with those things and and trying to enjoy them. I think. Mm. Now, is there anything you don't like about your job? And I'm wondering if sleep is going to come up because you have a beautiful new child, just six weeks old. So, is it difficult uh, when you're a little sleep deprived, uh, being able to have your head in the right space and to be able to make a sentence actually make sense? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it really is, and I apologise to anyone if I if in my you know sleep fugue state um i've uh, I've, I've rambled uh here but um no it's it's certainly yeah that that is a but uh, again you know i can i can complain because i got a six week old but i i again i feel like with any frontline medical workers it's it's a bit cheap of me to to complain when you know they're often coming off three day shifts or you know they've, they've been up sort of saving someone's life and then they have to get up again to you know to do it again 
um, or they've worked through the entire night. So I, I do. This is a really great job for keeping any of my sort of petty issues in in very uh, sharp relief, Lana. <laughs> Um, Series 3 has just been announced by Channel 7 in the upfronts for 2024. So we're really excited that scripting and filming for this next series has started. Are you able to give us any kind of uh, sneak peeks or teasers about what is going to happen in Series 3? Look, not a lot. I'm not trying to, you know, to be too evasive um but we kind of still you know we're still we're a couple of episodes into the the plotting and letting things sort of settle a little bit but um jump forward a little and and uh we'll, we'll kind of arrive in a in a sort of slightly shuffled reality for our team and they will yeah face face an escalation in in, in terms of what they've faced before so i can i can say that um and we it's- yeah we're really <laughs> and that's is that vague enough for you yeah <laughs> Um, that's vague enough, but that's okay. Yeah, good. That's I just okay. I don't want to say anything that then you know, like, you know my producer yeah, because- says, "Hey, you know that thing that you said we can't, we're not doing that anymore." Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's um, vague but, enough. But I will say that we've gotten, you know, we've got some fantastic kind of real life. Um, stories that really kind of up the stakes and we're really excited about sort of telling some really surprising, yeah, real real life sort of scenarios that, that have sort of come up. So we're, we're, yeah, really excited to dig into it and, yeah, we'll be shooting later next year. Well, look, um, a really big thank you for coming and having a yarn with me today, Ian, and a huge big thank you to the Animal Shine team who I um, have the utmost respect for. They've really... All of you have just gone above and beyond uh, what we thought could have been possible with the TV drama and all fingers crossed we can continue to figure out moving forward if we can have more series after number three. But even if it just ends up being just number three, that gives us um, a lot that we can continue to use and, and show. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, and, and thank you to the, you know, apart from the, just the ins- incredible work you all uh, do at the RFDS uh, every day across Australia, our, yeah, like I said, our main aim was to reflect that that work um, and, and the authenticity of that as, as accurately as we could. And, y- yeah, the, in- the organisation has been so great at sort of providing everything they can and also then being, you know, not being, um, as you said, you know, not... not trying to tell us what to what to write and so it's been a sort of true collaboration um and yeah we thank everyone there no problem i hope to see you again soon at broken hill you too <laughs> and in the meanwhile get some sleep ian thank you all right thank you. and lots of love to your family thanks so much Lana. you too thanks for listening word of mouth is always the best promotion for a podcast so if you enjoy this podcast or a specific story please share with family and friends If you haven't already, join our Facebook group called the Flying Doctor Podcast Community and you can also send feedback, questions or comments to me directly at lana.mitchell at rfds.org.au. Donations to support the Royal Flying Doctor Service can always be made through our website at flyingdoctor.org.au. The Flying Doctor Podcast was presented by me, Lana Mitchell, and senior producer is Mandy Coolen. Before I head off, I just want to thank one last time our sponsor and major national partner, Isuzu Ute Australia. Isuzu is committed to supporting the communities in which the RFDS operates, and this podcast would not be possible without their support. To learn more, search Isuzu Ute online.